Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool, and I am joined, as always, by my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. Andy, what's going on, my brother? Hey, so your pot, like the countdown that we always do, you know, yeah. the thank you Zoom lady, and then the cue the music, three, two, one. The pause was longer than normal, and I had a slight freak out and thought, oh, am I supposed to do the welcome today? I never do the welcome, but am I supposed to? And so right as I get ready to like unmute my computer, you chime in. I was like, that I could have run everything. Oh, uh, it'd have been fine. The pause, the uh the extra pause is really for editing purposes. <laughs> Lord knows there's a lot we have to edit out already. <laughs> so so how's it going, man? Well, that's I feel the question like, I asked you. I feel oh, it it is the question. See, here we go. Lowered. No, so we uh we did football tryouts today. So we've always been a baseball family. Uh, you know, when Turner was born, he, he's named after a baseball field. His nursery was done in baseball stuff. Like there was a giant baseball painted on his wall. Um, his first toy was a stuffed baseball. Um, he would mimic players as since he's been able to stand up, and then all of a sudden, um also, flashback, he's asked to play football two other seasons. And Dr. Wife is like, nope, nope, we're not too dangerous. We're not doing it. So I'm just resigned to the fact that my boys will never play football. Doesn't bother me at all. I only played football a few times, uh, a few seasons, because I was in the marching band, because that was cool. <laughs> anyway, um, and then all of a sudden this year, like I'm getting ready to sign the boys up for fall ball for baseball. And, uh, Turner's like, hey, hey, dad, I think I want to play football. And I was like, mom's not going to let you play football. And out of nowhere, because Ashley's, you know, her doctor wife, her whole thing has been like, and I was making fun of her today, like, oh, no, you're, you, you know, it's too dangerous. You'll get hurt. And it was like all of a sudden something switched. And she was like, oh, that's fine. You know, here, here's a sword and a machete. Here's a knife, some chain mail here. Hold my bayonet. All right, let's go try out for football now. It's like, just w- what happened that now all of a sudden they can play football? So is youngest is youngest is mad that he has to play flag football instead of, you know, I'm going to destroy you football because uh, if you know my kids, my oldest is like the sweet, loving, let me help you across the street, Miss Old Lady Neighbor, where my youngest is like, I bet if I ran hard enough and jumped, I could jump from the roof onto my dad's car through the sunroof and elbow drop him in the face as he drives away for work. That's about right. <laughs> so uh, the one that probably should be playing tackle football by the grace of the almighty uh, is in flag football, but we had tryouts this morning um, and it rained. Oh man. I was soaked because unlike so many normal people, um, as a man, I refuse to use an umbrella. <laughs> like I, from a very young age, I ingrained it. Nobody ever told me. Um, this is just on me. So if you'll, you know, bear with me while we're listening. Um, I've never claimed to be a perfect person. For those of you who know me, you know that I don't have all of my crap together. But for some reason... It's ingrained in my head, and I've put it there, that men who use umbrellas are weak. 
And so I'm standing. It's pouring. Dads are everywhere holding umbrellas. There are dads out there with Hello Kitty umbrellas because the only umbrella they have in their car is their toddler daughter. And they're using them. Ashley has her umbrella that she got for Christmas. That's right. I got my wife an umbrella for Christmas. But you don't have Uh, one. But I don't have one. And so I'm just, I'm drenched. And Dr. Wife's like, oh, I think I have a poncho in the car. We'll go get it. So they walk out to the car. They get this poncho. Comes back. Turns out it's like a poncho from Mason. Like, I can't even get my head through the hole. And I was like, well, I'm already drenched. We'll be fine. So, but both boys did fine. We should know this week, uh, you know, who their coach is, what their team is, and schedule and all that. But it's exciting stuff. On the other exciting stuff, just to make you jealous, I know you had had breakfast with a friend of the show, Bryce, the other day. Um, made me sad. I missed my, my boy, Bryce. We had some shenanigans together. But uh, I went down to St. Galgano's Armory's workshop, uh, and with the help of Keith, I made a knife. The manliest thing I've ever done besides create a child. Well, I, I heard uh, I heard a story about that. Well, I'm, oh, it's uh, my story. Wait, it's my story. I'm talking. I, I, I heard a story me. that you walked in and you kind of called him sir or something along those lines. I might be wrong on that, but you wondered why. You are. But you wondered why it was so hot in there. I didn't necessarily wonder. I knew what the forge was. And it was hotter than monkeys outside anyway. And I was like, good Lord, it's hot in here. I just didn't happen to look to see exactly where I was at. I was just trying to get out of his way so I didn't get hurt. Uh, and he's like, well, uh, Andy, you're standing right by the forge. And I was like, that that explains a lot. But yeah, I now am the owner of a railroad spike knife that uh, that I pummeled myself. So I was pretty excited. Uh, he brought it to me at work the other day. And my mom works with me now. So I was like, don't mess with me, mom. I'll shank you. And, and she then told I told you take... you're going to shoot your eye out with your railroad spike knife. And she just was like, please don't cut your finger off, Andy. And then walk back to her desk. So uh, I was told to tell you that um, all of the baby pictures she had of me on her phone have been deleted. Um, I did not have anything to do with that. Uh, and the rest of them are in a storage unit. And so until they get moved into a house, uh, they're untouchable. And yeah. I guess that means that when they get ready to move, I'm going to be the one helping them move so I can get those before anybody else does. I'm going to so, have Keith. I'm going to make sure Keith is there to help you move uh, to make sure yeah. the pictures are safe. That man comes into my office and was like hey don't worry tell chad i got it like he's he's all in on on the shenanigans of getting baby pictures of andy all over the office this is ridiculous it's ridiculous so you got your knife you spent some time at saint calgano armory saint calgano's armory so uh andy why don't you uh why don't you tell us about the fine folks at saint calgano's armory well they are definitely fine folks uh, St. Gargano Armory is the premier destination for handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. They use traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces, each one embedded with the spirit of St. Gargano himself. Each item is a work of art crafted with care and attention to detail. 
St. Gargano Armory believes that quality and authenticity are paramount, and that's why they use only the finest materials and take pride in their commitment to the traditional craftsmanship. The products are not only beautiful, but also very functional. St. Gargano Armory has you covered for all of your needs. A portion of all sales will go to the Onita Baptist Institute for right now. Uh, so why settle for generic mass-produced items when you can get something that is hand-forged and unique and it will go to help spread the gospel around the world? Amen. You can check out St. Algano's Armory and the merchandise that they sell at etsy.com slash shop slash St. Algano. Gagano is spelled G-A-L-G-A-N-O. So that's etsy.com slash shop slash St. Gagano. I'm sorry. That's St. Gagano, St. Gagano Armory. It's etsy.com slash shop slash St. Gagano Armory. And their Twitter and Instagram handle is at St. Gagano. Correct. Correct. Uh, and just one note of clarification. It is Blacksmith Merchandise. Unfortunately, we have not made the apparel yet. <laughs> so, but we're waiting for the shirt of blacksmith apparel. It's coming. I feel it in my bones one day. So, Andy, I'm going to read something to you. I wish you wouldn't. And without vomiting. But I, I go believe ahead and in mute my mic real quick. Hold on. <laughs> to stop the dry heaving. That's exactly right. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the AIDS quilt whose feet are grounded in mud, and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the call to each of us that love is love is love, so beloved let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. Now, Andy, is the Sparkle Creed. Can which... I ask a question? Before yes, we dive deep into this, um, I am not one of the more brighter theologians, if you will. Um, John Piper, John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, uh, the hippo guy, all of them have forgotten more about the Bible than I'll ever know. Augustine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of them guys. They, you, you, you referenced the hippo guy because you only remembered him from the ref tunes guy. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I know him is from the ref tunes guy. That's right. Uh, he's actually, I believe, next next month's picture on my calendar at work from Reftoons. If you haven't checked them out, shout out to Reftoons. Um, anyway, where was it going with this? You're oh, not the those guys, theologian. Those, yeah, those guys have forgotten more about the Bible than I'll ever know. Um, that being said, I don't recall anywhere from Genesis to Revelation... And you can go ahead and throw the Apocrypha in for our Catholic brothers and sisters. Um, but I'm definitely not familiar with that. Keith, hook me up if I'm wrong. But I don't recall anywhere hearing about a rainbow spirit. 
So there's a promise of the rainbow, and I think that that's been kind of bastardized by by this creed. But where, before we dive deeper into this, where in God's word does it talk about a rainbow spirit? Uh, nowhere did I know. I also didn't know Jesus had two dads. My, well, I mean, he had a stepdad. Maybe that's what they're talking about, because I have a dad and a stepdad. Um, well, we call we call Rob my dad type person. And then the, uh, the fabulous tunic, everything said that, you know, Bible pretty much makes it clear that that Jesus did not stand out. Yeah, he was he was pretty bland. He did not wear Joseph's coat. Maybe, maybe, maybe they got confused with Joseph there. Anyway, that that I had so many questions as you were reading that, uh, but that was the one that stood out to me. So, the thank rainbow you, spirit, the rainbow spirit. I gotta, I gotta research that. Maybe, I don't know, fairy dust or something. Anyway, go on with your point. Sorry, I just had to ask that question. So, I think my point about the Sparkle Creed, um, and this is this is heretical. Not I was about biblical. to say. I just wanted to scream blasphemy from the time you started talking to the time you stopped. It's absolutely heresy. Um, I know this is making its rounds. Uh, I believe it was uh, read in a church in Minnesota around the weekend of July 4th, but it goes back a couple of years to a church and both a woman uh, recited it and a woman penned it, a woman who is a quote unquote queer minister of Emmanuel United Church of Christ in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, um, people. <laughs> but my bless your hearts. My point uh, using the Sparkle Creed, right? And this is heretical and this obviously uh capitulates to a certain culture and a certain type of culture. Um the interesting thing is is I saw the flip side of the video of the recital of the Sparkle Creed and the congregation is predominantly white in their 60s and gray-haired. Um, they, there's not a uh, pink, green, or blue hair in sight, or Talking. you know anything that you would have thought. This is a this is definitely an older, you know, traditional, for lack of a better term, congregation. Um, but I think you know I've had some conversations with some guys this week, really talking about culture and and what as the church, what we're supposed to do right is to to reach the masses for Christ, right? Or, or to, to share Christ with the masses, we need to bend to culture. And I, I think the Sparkle Creed is definitely a, a grievous attempt at that, right? And this is what happens, I think, maybe when we do attempt to bend to culture, we do end up with blasphemy and heresy and flat-out lies. Because I do think that if you tell everybody that God loves them, and never tell them that God hates sin. Um, you're doing them an injustice, and not you're not sharing the gospel. People. Well, I know there's a there's there's a lot of people. This is definitely a trend, and we see it in a a trend in church planting to you know become culture. And I'm I'm not necessarily going to say you know if you're dressing, you know, you know I, I was part of you know an Acts 29 church, and we all dress like lumberjacks. Through that series, you know, you, you kind of dress a certain way. I'm not going to necessarily say that that's bad, but when you're embracing the culture of the lost, 
then I do believe that the church, whether you're a plant or an established church, the church begins to look more like the culture than the culture beginning to look like the church, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would venture to guess 99% of the time when you engulf yourself in something, um, you don't change it. It changes you. Um, Correct. You can you can look at politics. You can look at societal norms. Um, you can you know, let's look at religion and gospel versus heresy. Um, if you are a pastor and you are hanging around heretical people, um, and you are reading heretical books and you are, you know, being force fed. The, this heretical doctrine shortly after you're going to start teaching heresy. Sure. Um, and, and I'll say this, I, I think it's important for pastors to read heresy um, to be. Oh, absolutely. But with a educational eye, not that, that you're moving towards heresy, but especially if your people are engulfed in heresy, I think it's important to know what the heresy of the day is, whether you read the whole thing for me, sometimes it's hard to get through it, so I, I really want the cliff note, the cliff notes yeah. version. Well, of we've, we've said on here before, like the shepherd should smell like a sheep, mm-hmm. right? But what the shepherd is able to do at some point is to take a shower and to get that stench off, mm-hmm. right? So you are going to be surrounded by culture. You're go- you want to be around it because you want to teach people and give them the gospel. But at some point, you have to withdraw and watch the funk, man. And and too many times, I think, uh, is to to use a funny phrase, as people of the cloth, um, we don't we don't wash that cloth nearly enough, and then we start to to smell and act and do as culture does. Um, we can see ample ample examples right uh in society whether you want to use small stuff um and i use small facetiously um but you know you want to get in the pastor argument on should men only be allowed to be pastors or you know if you're following those who are pushing poor theology you're eventually going to start to cave and start practicing poor theology and allowing anybody and everybody to be a pastor, which isn't at all what we need to be doing. Um, and then you have this this teaching of, you know, Jesus being <laughs> fabulous and and all this this other stuff. Um, and I, I remember the first time I heard that, I thought it was a joke, so I laughed. Like somebody sent that to me, uh, and I. I want to think it was friend of the show, Brandon, who sent that to me the first time. Uh, me and Brandon went to high school together, so I felt comfortable laughing at it with him. And I was chuckling, and he was like, no, no, man, I think that's I think that's real. Yeah, and so then real. I did my research, and I was like, that's, that's not funny anymore. That makes me sad. So, but I think there are certain elements, certain pieces of society that pick up on that stuff and just grab it and hold on to it and preach it as gospel truth. Um, 
And then when we start talking against it, you know, well, you're just, you're the problem. You're the patriarchy. And then you're having to deal with that aspect. Yeah. And I think that we do, right. So sure. And the argument's going to be, well, well, Jesus, Jesus would talk to these people and Jesus ate with these people and Jesus was seen with these people. And, and, and he most certainly did. And, and, and we should as well, right. With, with, with respect um, and, and have a, engage in, in a dialogue with folks who we might even in our human flesh despise. Um, we should gracefully embrace them and have conversations and dialogue with them and even break bread with them. But, you know, Jesus told us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And these very same neighbors he whipped when they degraded and disrespected his father's house. Absolutely. And it's not just talking to, you know, in, in serving harder groups, but it's even in our, in our own lives. I mean, I, some of the conversation I heard this week was, well, you know, remember, you know, back in the day, Christians would never see an R-rated film until The Passion of the Christ, because that was R-rated. And so that R-rated films are okay. And and I'm like, so some R-rated films are okay. But I, I think that we really have to watch what we consume because you can't just say, well, anything culture puts out is readily available for you to digest. Um, I think that, you know, I think there are things that we can watch, read, listen, partake in that open up trap doors for the enemy to poke us and for, you know, it's not just letting culture into your church, but if you're letting culture into your heart and every aspect of it at some point, where, where does it end? I guess if that makes sense. Yeah. It's the same thing we've talked about with so many topics. So just being a slippery slope. Um, I, I think that, Oh, God. was it Casting Crowns that did a song called Slow Fade? It was like the hit song from uh, Fireproof or whatever the Kurt Cameron movie was. Mm-hmm. It was Fireproof, um, but I don't, I don't remember the song. So at one point, um, it, it talks in the song, you know, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because mm-hmm. you don't, you essentially, you don't know who's watching you. Um, and then it's a slow fade, right? You start this, you're like, oh, it's okay. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. And then you just start slowly fading to where all of a sudden you're submerged in what you know you shouldn't have been, but you don't know how you got there. Right? We we talk about that. Um, I talk about that with my clients at work. Um, not so much from a religious perspective, although it's it's sprinkled in there without them knowing it. But like you know, this is, you know, you're, you're on parole for this. Um, and, and what you're doing is going to lead you right back to it. Um, there's some counselors here that I work pretty close with. Um, we share some clients and we talk about it all the time. Like if you're going to participate in X, Y, and Z, well, that's just going to slowly fade into A, B, and C and LMNOP and, so, and then all of a sudden you've got the whole alphabet in your pocket and you don't know how you got there, but you know, 
that because of this, well, now you're going back to prison and was it worth it? Mm. Right. And so you look at it from a, from a religious standpoint, like you were just talking about, like, you know, it started with just the tip of the iceberg and all, we'll just sit at the tip for a while. And then all of a sudden we're sinking the Titanic and we didn't even see the Titanic coming for us. And so we've slowly faded into this. Well, it's okay for this. And why are we, why are we fighting it? You know, God, God's not an angry God. We don't want to preach God being an angry God because that doesn't make sense because if God's an angry God and God hates sin, then that's going to cause us to have to do a little more work in not only our own lives, but with our congregation and our, and our, our, uh, our flock, we're going to have to do some more work with that. So hold that thought. So do do you see that, that when you start capitulating the culture and you're, and then, you know, you think, and and I'm not going to say all these guys have like heretical ideas out of the gate. Right. But this is very much of a, it's definitely a trend, um, particularly in some pretty large church planning networks and, and what's happened there. But you, You've allowed culture into the building, right? The church, when I say, you know, when I say the building. And so now that you're, you're starting to look more like culture and you may, you know, and I'm not, and I think at, at a, at a base level, right at a glance, it's like, well, you're dressing like your neighborhood or something like that. I don't think it's that as long as it's not immodest, like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but You've allowed all this other culture in, and then you start preaching a soft gospel, a new gospel, a soft Jesus, because you don't want the bodies to go away. And these are the same guys who preach that it's not about numbers. Yeah, and I think that soft Jesus is easier to preach. Oh, of course it is. There's so much less work. Um I giggle. Um, so let's let's take that. Let's look back at, you know, how can you preach that that God is an angry God and, and hates sin? Right. When right? the Sparkle Creed says, "Love is love is love. Love like, is love is love." What the and heck so, does that mean? And then, so I, you know, we have some mutual friends, and there are a lot of people who, who, I, you know, I've come to find out that do not believe in in penal substitution. Um, when and that confuses me greatly because, and now I just had that verse in my head. Um, and now I can't remember the, you'll know it, but it, you know, it talks about that Jesus loved us that while we were still sinners, uh, he came and died for mm-hmm. us to cover our sin so that we can spend eternity with him. And yet we're still preaching that penal substitution isn't necessary explain that like cite your source because you can't you can't have gospel without that and i'll admit that sure that's not good news you know gospel meaning literally quite translating to good news sure penal substitution uh and god being angry with sin isn't good news if you're living in sin and have no desire to turn away from it. Sure, that it's not good news at all. 
But when you look at the gospel, if you look at Jesus's teaching, turn away from your sin, follow him, and he's got you covered. But it's not follow me and continue to sparkle bright like a diamond. Hmm. Well, I, I think that right removing penal substitutionary atonement makes God um passive and 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 that's it that's an easy stretch to the love is love is love and, and God is love I think we we'd all agree with that but God also hates sin um what it also takes his death on the cross and and takes takes the power out of it now he just died for nothing because we don't we don't need his forgiveness so why die right and we we're free right we're free from the fear of death because god's justified us right and and satan can't overturn what god has decreed justification and sanctification comes in Uh, you know every so often you gotta drop the big spiritual words (laughs) but i i think that removing those things removing hell removing punishment for sin um, and, and whether you're, you know, I think even at a base level by just refusing to talk about them and removing them, then it's okay. Well, I, I know Jesus and I'm entrenched in my sin. And where does, where, where does repentance come from? Because now there's no need for repentance, right? Because now you're thinking, well, it's a very moralistic view. Well, I, I, I know Jesus and you've told me about Jesus, but you've not told me about the depths of my sin or the degradation of my sin, um, the dangers of my sin. Um, and so I'm not going to repent and I'm just going to live in my sin, right? I'm going to claim to be a Jesus follower and I'm going to live like the devil for the next 30 or 40 years. And I think we see an awful lot of that in society today. People who profess Christ profess to be Christians and they live like the devil. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think if you're you're evangelizing, right? The conversation point, you could go up to you go up to just about anybody. No, I don't care where you are, rural, urban, wherever you are, East Coast, West Coast, and say, do you know Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? And someone's going to say yes. Everybody so, knows who Jesus is. That doesn't mean they follow and know him. Right. And the question really, I think the some of the some of the points to discuss with them really is what do you know about jesus oh absolutely you know and 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 get into that and and really have that you know that two-minute elevator pitch if you will of, of given where what jesus has done in in your life and then what jesus can do for them um i think when we remove when we we remove the significance of sin we rem- and when we remove that the the wages of sin is death and we remove the fact that god hates sin we are sending people to hell oh yeah and and really hell is real whether we, whether we mean to, to or not show, sorry hell is real oh it's very real uh and whether we realize we're doing it or not we're sending them to hell with a smile on our face yeah because when we start talking about hippie lovey-dovey sparkle jesus it's all sunshine and rainbows and it makes us happy and giddy inside uh, uh until 
we get there and like, yeah, you're 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 going. Take the elevator down. So you've spent a good amount of the last few years, you know, um, in youth ministry and student ministry. Yeah. Um, there's no other. I mean, that you're you're entrenched in culture and cultural trends. You know, warding them off. I mean, they're 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 Bad. testing the waters and so many things. How how do you how do you preach Jesus in a culture that's sinful? And so hates I think, Christ? yeah. So I think where people mess up youth ministry is you look at the teens and like, oh, it's the future of the church. I got to talk to them like they don't really know what they're talking about. And I got to dumb it down so much. And there, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are things that I've dumbed down. Right. But what I learned over my years in youth ministry at the the churches that I served in um, is you preach. I preach maybe not the same method because in, in youth, when I would preach, there's a lot of interaction versus Sunday mornings. Um, I crave interaction and they just stare at me and don't laugh at my jokes. Um, well, some laugh at my jokes, but they definitely don't get them. Um, but I think you just lay it out there and you allow them to soak it in and you allow them to, to marinate in it and ask their questions. You don't have to dumb it down. Um, because here's the thing. We don't like to admit it as adults, but when there are things that our pastor preaches on that we don't understand, like we don't want to admit that we don't understand it, right? We just, we're adults. We get it. And then we leave. But we're youth, from my experience, have a leg up on adults is if they don't understand something or I, you know, I'm thinking of one kid off the top of my head who is kind of dabbling in this um, phenomena that we, that we know as culture right now um, and experimenting with dress and pronouns and mm. identity and all that other stuff. Um, and so you lay it out there and you don't sugarcoat it because kids can, you know, you youth more than adults will pick up on authenticity. Oh, absolutely. Um, they they pick up on that so quick. Um, and so I was always very authentic and real and like let them know, hey, there is nothing you can do that's gonna make me not love you, but here's here's the case. Like this is this is A, B, and C, black and white. Here's what it means. Let's talk about it. And they would ask the questions and I would answer them to the best of my ability using the Bible as a backup. Well, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not saying your feelings aren't valid because we all have feelings. But when it comes to scripture, I I, I don't care. (laughs) Scripture is what it is. Um, and if, you know, and if you feel that something, you know, scripture is saying this, you need to take your feelings out of it and look to see what it's actually saying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it, when it came to youth, I was like, you know, and I'm just rambling at this point, 
because uh, that's what I do. Uh, it should be the the hipster and the rambler. Uh, but I, you just have to lay it out in black and white and be authentic with them. Let them ask the questions and then let them marinate on the answers. And so it's going to take a little bit because they're going to want their friends are in this culture and they're going to want to to fit in. Um, but I think you have to work through it with them and, you know, they, they'll get it. You just got to give them time and space to do it. So I think it, I think what you said is great, but I think it's beyond student ministry. I think it's that that's the same thing for church. Now, we well, dumb it Chad, down. If, if you look at this, you've known me for quite some time. Am I your stereotypical youth pastor? <laughs> do no. I run a youth group like most youth pastors do? No, but I'm saying like these are the same things that are happening I think in in traditional in in the in the service in the traditional service, right? It's it's being dumbed down, it's being watered down. Um they're being talked to like children, everything's been softened and lightened. Oh, and, absolutely. And I think those is. same So you think about it, go back to the church in Minnesota with the Sparkle Creed, right? The the average congregant in there looked like they were about 60, 65 years old. Um and so they're being led to believe that that this is real, um, that this is what what God wants, who God is. And you, you talked about somebody you knew, and you know about dress and, and pronouns. And I think we could probably, I think pronouns is probably a really good point to talk about how we address culture today. What what, what do you think about pronouns? Preferred pronouns. Um, I- I'm going to get in trouble. Um, can I plead the fifth? Sure. Um, no, I I don't. I don't care um, what your pronoun is. Um, so it was a big deal at work. You know, we got the memo with, you know, however our, our clients identify. Um, and so I don't generally refer to anyone as Mr. or Miss. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I just, I open the door when I call people out of the lobby to my, to my office, I just say their last name. Uh, I'm not going to get bogged down and leave room for an argument. I believe you are born either a male or a female. You weren't born into the wrong body. You weren't, God didn't make a mistake because uh, God doesn't make a mistake. Um, and what you are is what you are. And I think as society, we've kind of pushed that to where it's glamorous now um, and it's become a whole thing, but I don't, I don't even give it the opportunity at work for it to become a thing. I just nip in the bud and just say your last name. Sure. I don't, I don't even, cause there are some that'll, that'll go by different gender name, right? Like I had one that, and this is not the exact names, but for example, he went from from William to to Wendy, and I didn't I didn't even acknowledge it. I just said the last name and right and went about, that, and I was like, you know, in my computer legally, your name is this. That is what I'm going to call you. Sure. So, and you know, I think I think it's it's crucial, right, that we acknowledge the importance of. Of showing love and showing respect to to everyone, right? But I, I don't know. I, I think that embracing pronouns, preferred pronouns, 
is just another cultural thing that we allow in that conflicts with the Bible. And it absolutely does. And I'm not saying uh, if you're listening to this now and you're thinking, man, Andy, you're about the biggest bigot I know. I'm a very big man. I'll give you that. Um, I'm not saying that I'm doing this out of spite and that I don't love these people. Um, no, I think I, it's a balance for you between what you're called to do for work and what you're called to do. Um, and and yeah. work. And, and so like you can feel how you want to feel and that's valid. You have those feelings, but I can feel like I'm a millionaire. And then when I sadly look at my bank account, uh, I find out real quick that my feelings don't matter. Like that feeling is just a feeling, just gas. It'll go away. <laughs> um, and so you are not less of a person because we believe differently. I don't think less of you. Um, but it's just not, that's not something I'm willing to, to budge on. Like the Lord has not moved me in that direction yet. And based on scripture and what I've read, I can't see him, you know, if the Lord's calling you to do something that is not lining up with his word, that's not the Lord talking. Not the Lord. Should probably check the caller ID on that call because it's not coming from him. Try chapter and verse, baby, chapter and verse. And that's, you know, and that's what I would tell my youth group. Well, you know, I think this will show me in the Bible where it's, that's okay. Well, it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be in there. I can show you in the Bible where it says it's not okay. So you're not going to find where it is because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. So that's, that's where I'm at. But I think I'll say this as we wrap up, right? I do think there's a danger to us as believers, uh, particularly pastors and church leaders and the church to move towards culture with the whole hope of being relevant. Um, it isn't us to make God relevant to the masses. God does that himself, right? God reveals himself to each of us, some of us in, you know, in, in different ways and at different times. But I think that there is a danger to capitulating to the culture and allowing that to sneak in. Well, it doesn't even sneak in. It kicks the door in. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're you won't recite the Apostles' Creed, but you're reciting the Sparkle Creed um, in your church. And I and I and I'll say this: I, I'm not one to say you shouldn't listen to secular music, you shouldn't watch, you know, whatever you want to go to the movies and watch and 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 read fiction books and things like that. But have some discernment about what you're consuming. Um, Absolutely. You know, and and we could, I mean, we could go in depth on that. I mean, I know a lot of Christians who say, you know, watch what people, how they, they, what things they like on their social media posts and the things they talk about. And then they profess Christ and they go to places and bring Hindu God statues into their house, not knowing what they're bringing into their house. And these are gods of, of violence and they're, they're demonic and they'll, they'll bring those in their house, right? It's more than just music and books and, and movies. I mean, it's, it's what we try to absorb all the time. I mean, I, I could be the, I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the patriarchal uh, right wing <laughs> post and just say this, that Christians shouldn't do yoga because those yoga poses are prayers, but that's for another day. 
you can that is uh, that is a whole new episode you could uh you could hit us up on twitter now you feel about my very uh mark driscoll that's a hot take Christians doing yoga. that is that is uh, that is a hot take and i'm gonna have to do some thinking i mean i'm not opposed to you doing stretching and things like that but yoga poses are prayers they are they are they are prayers uh the mantras and everything that goes they are pr- sun salutation one of the early the easiest yoga poses that people know that is uh an act of worship to a sun god well downward facing dog is just what i do in the morning when i'm trying to get out of bed and not pull a hammy so there's that that's just me stretching and trying not to die when i step out of bed so you can you can voice your opinion hit us up on twitter at hill hipster pod you can email us hill hipster pod at gmail.com uh, don't forget to check out the blacksmith merchandise Merch um, and dice at St. Gagano Armory. Um, it's etsy.com slash shop slash St. Gagano Armory. Check them out on Twitter at St. Gagano. Last word's yours, Andy. Good, because I was gonna take it anyway. Um, it's very important that you are attending, you know, we we encourage you all to go to church, right? Amen. Find a uh, and beyond that, I, I would encourage you to find a Bible teaching church, a solid church with a solid biblical teaching. Um, and those are coming fewer and far between. Um, I'm thankful that since we've moved uh, to where we are, we've been able to get plugged into a church that the the pastor um, is very driven to teach biblical truth and biblical knowledge. Um, and so I don't have any qualms with my kids sitting in there because I don't think they're being taught heresy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're thinking, oh, man, I really should be getting back into church, you 100 percent sure. Uh, I would just encourage you to make sure that the church you're going to is teaching solid biblical truths, because, again, like I said earlier, it is a, a slow fade and all of a sudden it'll be too late and you're neck deep and can't get out of it. You'll be sparkle creating it up. Amen. And if you go into a church and they begin to recite the sparkle creed, get out as fast as you possibly can and do not return and find yourself a Bible believing Bible preaching, um, uh, church. (laughs) And if you are sitting in a church that I happen to be at and you see me get up and run out, I can assure you, I don't just run for fun. If you see me run, you should follow. Amen. So, quickly. So, but on that note, be blessed, have a good week, and until next time, deuces. Where's the record button to stop it? (laughs) 